0: Good morning, Journey. So in 1990, a movie came out starring Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg that was about um, a guy who was killed in kind of a mugging on a street outside, uh, who wasn't allowed to leave the world until he kind of solved his murder and protected his fiance. It was called Ghost. Some of you um, have seen that movie. It started kind of two cultural revolutions. The first was this. Every high school guy wanted to take a pottery class, like just in case... Just in case he ever had to help his girlfriend make a bowl or uh, or something like something like that. Um, and second, it got people talking about life after death. Like, what does happen after you die? Do you hang around till you can solve your crime? Do you hang around till people are taken care of? What happens after death? Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe in life after death? Do you believe that you have a soul that is eternal? that will live forever? Have you you ever even thought about these questions? Do you believe in life after death? Do you believe that you have a soul That will live forever. There was a king in Israel named Solomon who was said to be blessed with the gift of wisdom. Not only of wisdom, but of scholarship and research. We know he talked to kings and queens from all over the world. And in one of his memoirs that we know as the book of Ecclesiastes, he said this about just this thought of eternity. He said after studying life, after talking to people, after knowing everything that can be known, here's what's true. God has set eternity inside the human heart. Like the reason people think about eternal life, the reason think about everlasting life, God has put eternity deep inside of us so that we seek him out. A more recent philosopher, an atheist who became a believer, one of the greatest apologists of the last few hundred years, uh, is a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis said as he studied life and as he talked to some of the smartest people who lived, he realized that we are not bodies who have souls. We are souls who who have bodies. We are eternal people. We are eternal beings. And in the foundation of Christianity. Is this thought. That we are everlasting people, meant to live with an everlasting God for the last ten weeks we 've been studying the Apostles Creed together as a church, just going line by line through the foundations of our belief, what it means to be a Christian, what our hope is as a Christian. and today we complete that series. I want you to reach inside your bulletin and pull out this apostle 's Creed card in just a second we 're going to read that together. Take your sermon notes. Um, if you haven 't pulled those out already, or if you 're a technical person, fire up your journey church international app. Everything will be there on your handheld device but. As As we finish this series, the 10th week of 10, I'm going to ask you one more time to stand with me, and we're going to read together the 2,000-year-old truths of the Christian church, stand together, that end with this belief in, this hope in, this comfort in everlasting life. The Apostles' Creed begins with God. It ends with everlasting life with God. We've learned a lot in between. Today, we finish the series. Let's read it together out loud. It says, I believe in God. the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all summer for participating as we stood and read that together. If you have your card, I want you to circle three words on your card. The three words that are circled on the screen behind me. I want you to circle the word judge. I want you to circle the word resurrection. I want you to circle the words life everlasting. As we come to the end of this series, we wrap up where the Apostles' Creed wraps up. I want to talk to you today about the word judge, about the word resurrection, and about the words life everlasting. And as we do that, we look back 2,000 years and we see the apostles talking about judgment and life everlasting, um, and we see them talking about life and death, um, and we see them talking about resurrection. What we need to understand is not much has changed in the 21st century. If I could give you what I just call kind of the three fast facts of life, I want you to know today in my 20 years of ministry, my almost 40 years of life, I believe the most uncomfortable, unchanging, and undeniable truth about life is death. There's nothing more uncomfortable to talk about. There's nothing more uncomfortable to go through, but it's not changing and you can't deny it. You'd be crazy to. The most uncomfortable, unchanging, undeniable truth about life is death. Not fun to talk about. Certainly not fun to go through. Not, not fun to experience with a close friend or family member or neighbor, but it's coming. To deny that or think we can change that is not a reality. However, on the flip side, the most helpful, the most hopeful, The most inspiring and the most comforting truth about death is everlasting life. So these two kind of go hand in hand. We've got this really difficult thing that we deal with in life called death, but we've got this really exciting thing that that we deal with called everlasting life. The number of books and movies devoted to this thought of life after death tells us that we are a people who seek what's next. But the most overlooked truth between these two truths is judgment. So we know death is coming, we know everlasting life is available, but the most overlooked truth between these truths is judgment. And the Apostles' Creed cemented all three of these things into the foundation of the early church, that there's life, that there's death, that there's judgment, but that there can be resurrection to everlasting life. So we learn from the Apostles and from Scripture how to prepare for eternity. So let me ask you this morning, are you prepared for everlasting Like, is your heart prepared for everlasting? Are you prepared for what's next? Do you think about what's next? Are you even sure about what's next? Are you prepared for everlasting? Because that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. If your answer is yes, I'm hoping to give you some more good information on it. If your answer is I'm not sure, I hope to help you answer that yes or no. If your answer is no, but I'd like to be, I hope to be able to help you do that today too. Through the lens of scripture, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you have your Bible, and we'll be all over it today, so keep it open. We'll read it, and then we'll keep going back to it to learn from it. But before we read 2 Corinthians 5, go ahead and turn there. I've got to give you like a scripture decoder so that you can understand what Paul is saying. Do any of you eat cereal? I ate a lot of cereal when I was a kid. I didn't eat cereal as, as much because I love cereal, but because I liked the things that were in the cereal box. Like, remember when you were a kid and there were toys inside the cereal box? Like, I love cereal. I love Fruit Loops. I love Lucky Charms. I would eat the marshmallows and put all the cereal back for my sister. So I ate like the marshmallow mix of Lucky Charms. I love mini wheats. Um, I ate Cinnamon Life. I had a bowl of Cinnamon Life this week. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We had a cereal when I was growing up called Honey Smacks. It was like Styrofoam that tasted like honey. I'm not sure it was real food, But it was good, Um, and I remember eating it, and I remember a lot of times I was trying to collect box tops, because if you ate enough boxes of cereal, you could send the box tops in and they would send you like a decoder for a secret message on the back of the box or a secret map that you could find. So I was always trying to get the, the decoder so I could find out the secrets on the back of the cereal box. Well, I've got today a scripture decoder for you before we read 2 Corinthians 5, So that you understand what Paul is saying who wrote it when we read it when you read the words earthly tent You need to know that means physical body Second corinthians 5 is about preparing for everlasting. So we're going from now to everlasting So paul's going to keep going back and forth between the two earthly tent means physical body Building from god means eternal body Feeling naked and unclothed means physical body Like that's now um, Feeling like you're in your heavenly dwelling That's eternal body, that's later Feeling at home in the body, that's earthly body Feeling away from the body, that's heavenly body So Paul is preparing us for everlasting By taking us from now to then In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 And here's what we read Let's see how good you are at listening Second Corinthians 5 starts this way For we know that if the earthly tent What is that? It's our body, it's our body Paul says, we know that if the earthly tent... We know if our body that we live in is destroyed. Paul said, we know if we die, right? That's uncomfortable to hear, but it's undeniable and it's unchanging. So Paul just throws it out there. We know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. What's that? Yeah, it's an eternal body. So we we get another one, okay? We know if we have an earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile... Between now and then, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we won't be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan, we're burdened, because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who's fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident. And know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not sight. We're confident, I say, and would actually prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul's trying to prepare us for everlasting He's talking to a church in Corinth that he started, a city 2,000 years ago that was as much like America as any city in the ancient world. And Paul said, here's what you know to be ready for between now and everlasting. Three things. Paul said, first, you need to understand your struggle. We need to look at our struggle and, and it's not that we need to embrace it, but we need to be aware of it. Paul said, if you're gonna be prepared for everlasting, you need to be aware of what you're gonna struggle with between now, like this moment in time, August 20th, 2017. Between now and everlasting, Paul said, here's what you're going to struggle with. And he helps us see in 2 Corinthians 5 that every person's spiritual struggle has two elements to it. The first is death. Paul said, you need to understand as a human being, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, every person is going to struggle with death. Look at verse 1. Paul just throws it out there. We know that if our bodies die... That's what he's saying. Paul said, we know if our bodies die. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. Paul said, we're aware of that. We don't like that, but we're aware of that. And here's the thing. Death shakes our sense of everlasting life only because God has planted it in our souls. Like the only reason death is so hard to endure, to think about, the only reason death is so hard to process, the only reason death is something that's so fearful is because there's something deep down inside of us that says, this is not the way things are supposed to be. And some of you are in here, and and I want to be sensitive. Because I know some of you are in here, and you've still got a gaping hole in your life from the death of a loved one, the death of a child that never made it full term, the death of a parent, or a grandparent, or a best friend, or a coach, or a teacher, some of you are facing a prognosis right now that's, that's not healthy. So I don't just want to gloss it over and just say, you know, we're going to struggle with death. Get over it. I want to be sensitive to that. But at the same time, I want you to know it, death is, for us, the most unnatural, natural thing that we face. You so say, what do you mean by that? Well, think again about Ecclesiastes 3.11. Solomon said the only reason death shakes our soul is because there's something in our soul that says we shouldn't die. But death is, like death is natural. Right? Like the appliances in our house, if we if we have them long enough, when I say death is the most unnatural, natural thing that we face, like we understand things die. Like the refrigerator is gonna die. The the air conditioner is gonna break down. My air conditioner may have died. It was 82 degrees in my house last night when we went to bed at 10 o'clock, told Danielle, it may have died. It hasn't shaken my soul or made me question God. Like, right, things get old, things die. Or cars. If you get 200,000 plus miles out of them, they're going to die. Like none of us have driven a car 40, 50, 60 years and and we're shocked when it dies. Like things die. Like our pets, little Rudy, God rest his soul. Like, Like, you know, if God would take Rudy home, I may stuff him and put him on our mantle. Like he means a lot to our family. He's a comforting present for us. But my dog is going to die. Like, our pets are going to die. It won't shake the foundation of our soul. Death is a natural thing. The trees in our yard, your grass, if you don't water it during the month of August, unless it rains, like, a, like your grass is going to... Death is not unnatural, except when people die. And then the, it becomes the most unnatural, natural thing that we've ever experienced. It shakes us to the core. Some of you lost somebody last month that you're still struggling with, and some of you lost somebody last decade, and there's still this hole in your life. Death is this, the most unnatural, natural thing we face, but here's what we need to know. Everlasting life, it doesn't replace death, but it it does redeem it. It purchases it. It purchases death, and it gives it a new and a better life. So everlasting life, it doesn't replace death, but it redeems it so there's something on the other side of it. But death isn't our only struggle. So what's the other struggle that Paul points out? Well, Paul said in this life, everyone's gonna struggle with death and number two, everyone's gonna struggle with life. Like that's kind of a lose-lose situation. You look at those two and you're like, uh, like so, so like is there anything we don't struggle with? So we struggle with death, we struggle with life. Is there anything in between? Not, not a whole lot, unfortunately. But Paul wants us to know that here's what's guaranteed. Between now and everlasting you're going to have some struggles in life. And watch why this is. Paul said, when an everlasting soul lives in a temporary body that faces death, we struggle with things. That's why. We've got this soul that doesn't want to die. It wants to live. But when as an everlasting soul lives in a temporary body, there's, there's some tension. So Paul just lists the things that we struggle with. You say, what are they? Spiritual weakness. Second Corinthians 5.2, we struggle with spiritual weakness. Paul says, we groan. It literally is the sound you make when you've had too much to eat from Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, uh, ah. Paul said, literally, we grow. Living for Jesus is so hard that it makes us groan in our physical bodies with spiritual weakness in these bodies. Paul says, let her be that we have vulnerability. Look at verse three. Paul says, when we are clothed, what's that? When we are eternal, when we are everlasting. We won't be found naked. You know what the word naked means? It means exposed. Paul says, like when we finally get where we're going to be, we won't be vulnerable to being exposed and people knowing us like God knows us. Man, if you all knew me like God knew me, you would probably never come listen to to me talk about the Bible. So I've got some vulnerabilities that God continues to have to shape in me to make me more like my eternal self than, than my natural self. We have, let her see, some burdens. That we face. Paul said in this life between now and everlasting. We're going to struggle with burdens. Look at verse 4. When we're in this tent. We groan and we're burdened. There are things in life that are very, very difficult. That all of us are going through. We face letter D. Mortality. Paul said we don't wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Why? So that what is mortal may be swallowed up so that we don't have to worry about death anymore. So we're going to struggle with these things. Let me ask you a question this morning. Which of these areas are you struggling with the most right now? August 2017. Which of these areas is causing you to lean away from God instead of into God? See, I'm really struggling with spiritual weakness right now not where I want to be spiritually. I'm really struggling with vulnerability. I I either am afraid of being exposed or I have just been exposed and I don't even know how I'm going to be able to go to work again. Maybe you're struggling with burdens. Maybe you're struggling with mortality. What's giving you trouble in your soul? What's the thing that's keeping you from sleeping at night or that's distracting you during the workday? What's the thing that while your body is present with your kids at their game, your mind is off somewhere else chasing? What's the thing? What's the struggle that's bothering your soul? What's keeping you from leaning into God spiritually or keeping you from believing that God is good? We just sang that song, you're a good, good father. We, but some of you did not. You could not say those words because in your spirit, in your life, in your experience, you're really unsure whether or not God is a good, good father because it doesn't feel like that to you we said that god will never let you down you say i can't sing that because i've been let down struggling with that right now you're saying you're good you're good oh you're good and You're. i don't know that i can say that right now what's causing you to lean away from god these are hard questions but they're good questions paul said if you're going to be prepared for everlasting you have to understand that between now and everlasting you're going to have struggles but he doesn't leave us with struggles He gets two things, thank goodness, not just our struggles, but number two, our confidence. And what's interesting is is the similar answers. Paul said, you're going to struggle with two things. You're going to struggle with death. You're going to struggle with life. But Paul said, if you're a Christian, you're going to have confidence in two things. What are those two things? Very similar. Number one, as Christians, we have confidence in death. You say, wait a minute. What do you mean confidence in death? Christian, that almost sounds Well, look at verse 6 so you can understand the perspective that Paul is talking from. Paul says one of the great confidences that Christians have is that one day we're going to die. Say, how can that be a confident thing? Look at verse 6. Paul says, therefore, we're always confident and we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Death is the confidence for a Christian that it won't always be like this at least not for me. Paul says we are confident that the life we live now is not the life we live there. We are confident that one day there will be a breaking point to take us from our struggle to our everlasting. say, what is that called? It's death. But Paul said, I'm confident that death will release me into the world that I want to live in. Death is the confidence that it won't always be like this. Have you had a hard month or a hard year? You know, I don't struggle every week. I actually struggle every day. And probably many times throughout the day. Say, with what? Spiritual weakness? I struggle with spiritual weakness. You struggle with spiritual weakness? Yeah. You don't get up and read your Bible every day? I try. But I don't bat a thousand. Why? Because I've got some spiritual weakness. Sometimes I'm too busy. Sometimes I don't get up early enough. Sometimes I go to bed way too late. Struggle with spiritual weakness. I'm not the Christian that I want to be. I struggle with vulnerabilities. Man, I was talking to my counselor this week about some things going on in my soul. If, if God can't rewire me emotionally, the person that I was born and created me to be, I'm going to have some faulty wiring my whole life. How I respond to crisis, how I respond to tension, my first response when, when things hit me that are offensive or hard. Very, very rarely does my first response look like Jesus. I've got some spiritual vulnerabilities in my life. I've got some burdens. You, you have burdens? My son got his driver's license 10 days ago. Like that, like that, that, is, that is a burden. He wants to drive everywhere. He came, he came out of his room this week. Like he, he was ready for school, ready for bed. And all of a sudden he reappears at 9.30 and he's like fully dressed, has a hat on. And we're like, what are you doing? And he said, would you like me to run to the store and like get anything for you? And we're like. Dude, you're not a run to the store and help mom and dad type of person. Like, what's going on? He's like, I just want to drive. Like, I just love to drive by myself. So I've got the burden of my son driving, and I've got the burden of my wife spying because now she like 24 hours a day has her little you know Find My Friends app, and she's trying to figure out where he is at all times of the day. This is a burden to me. Like, my little girl runs cross country. And while she runs in the back of our neighborhood, I can watch her from my office on our back path except for this eight-second span where she runs behind this clump of trees. And every time she goes behind this clump of trees, I hold my breath and wait for her to come out the other side because, unfortunately, I have heard and read like you have all the horrific stories about what happens to people in this world. That's a burden to me. I'm burdened. I don't know about you, but I was pretty burdened when I watched what happened in Charlottesville last week. I mean, I literally thought, have we transported back to pre-civil rights United States of America? We're talking about nuclear war and watching people with torches march on a college campus, spouting anti-Semitic garbage that's just sin. Like, listen, if you're a Christian, you have Jewish blood flowing through your spiritual veins, right? That white supremacy, alt-right garbage is sin, listening to them spout their racist stuff. I have four nieces and nephews that look more like their African-American fathers than they do my sisters. And thinking about those kids and the world they're going to grow up in, and I had the thought watching that, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to raise my kids in this world. Lord, I hope I don't have grandkids that have to grow up in this world. North Korea wants to bomb everyone. Half the time we're saying, bring it on, and everything else is in the midst of chaos. Chaos. I thank God that it won't always be like that for me because there's a better place. We were not built for here and there is a better place. And if you're a Christian, you can put your hands together for that. And listen, folks, listen. If you're not excited to get to heaven, it's because you don't know enough about it. If you're not burdened about this place, it's because you don't know enough about it. So Paul says for the Christian, like death is this release of Finally getting out of this chaotic world that we live in and listen it ain't trump's fault and it's not obama's fault It's satan's fault. It's sin We need to call it what it is And the only place there's no sin is in everlasting life It's why paul said I not only have confidence in death, but I have confidence number two in everlasting life He actually said I can't wait to get there Look at verses eight and nine Paul said i'm confident Scratch that more than confident. I would actually prefer to be away from the body. I would prefer to be physically dead so that I could be spiritually alive at heaven with the Lord. And because that's the case, I'm going to make it my goal to please him. Whether I'm at home in the body, whether I'm on earth or whether I'm in heaven, I'm just going to live for Jesus. Listen, three things. Paul was confident about everlasting life. He said, I know it's there. Deep in my soul, I know it's there. But more than being confident, he preferred it. He actually said, I'd rather be there. No wonder if he watched the CNN of his day and read the Wall Street Journal of his day and lived the life in his world that we live. No wonder Paul's saying, I would much rather be in heaven. He actually told another church, the church of Philippi, He said, listen, I'm hoping God takes me home. If he leaves me here, I'll do ministry because I love him. But I would rather just go to heaven. Death is a release for Christians. But Paul said, if God keeps me here, he said, I'm going to try to begin living everlasting life here. He said, I want to go to heaven so bad that if I can't go to heaven, I will bring heaven here. I'm going to make it my aim to please him. Whether I'm there or here, I'm going to live my everlasting life like it starts now, not then. He said, I'm going to live on earth as I would live in heaven. Let me say that again. Does it sound familiar? Paul said, I'm going to live on earth as I live in heaven. Have you ever prayed those words? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was Jesus who taught Christians to pray that they could live on earth like they lived on heaven. It was Jesus who taught Christians like Paul to just start living everlasting life now and let the old one go. Go. You say, how does that happen? How do we start living everlasting life now? Well, you have to die to the old you to live for the new you. Paul said it this way to his friends at the church of Galatia. He said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, my life is over. My everlasting life has started. So whether I'm in heaven or whether heaven is here, I'm going to live the exact same way. I meet a lot of Christians who I'm unsure if they really want to go to heaven. I hear people say, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven, but then they live like hell. And I think, if you can't wait to get to heaven, why don't you start living like you're there? You know what you're going to do in heaven? You're going to spend time with Jesus every day. You could do that here. You know what you're going to do in heaven? If if you're in heaven, you're going to worship every day. You can do that here. You know what you're going to do in heaven? You're going to serve Christian brothers and sisters for eternity. You can do that here. You know what you're going to do in heaven? You're going to be so perfectly filled with the knowledge of God's word that your mind becomes like his. You can start that process here. I think we need to stop thinking of everlasting as then and start thinking of everlasting now. Paul said, I'm going to live my everlasting life now. My, old, my death certificate is signed. My new birth certificate is started I am living my everlasting life now. I know the struggle. I know the confidence. But number three, Paul said we have to know that it's our decision. We have to know that it's our decision. And it's interesting because the first choice that God gave humanity, Adam and Eve, and the last choice that Moses and Joshua gave Israel, is the exact same choice God gives you today your choice. You choose. God told Adam and Eve, there is this eternal everlasting life that is following me and then you can do it your own way, but you get to choose. Moses told Israel, there is a way that leads to blessings in life. There is a way that leads to curses and death, but you choose. God doesn't want to force you. Joshua told the people, I've chosen how I'm going to live, but every family has to choose on their own one at a time. You got to choose whether or not you want life or death. It's your choice. God is the greatest math teacher in the history of the world because listen to what God does. He gives us the problem, then he gives us the answer. And he said, you can choose whether or not you want to put it in the blank. Could you imagine taking a test like that? Where your teacher says, listen, here's the problem I'm going to give you. Here is the answer to that problem. You can choose whether or not you want to answer it correctly. It's your choice. So you get to choose. You say, what's the problem? The problem is judgment. It's a problem. Like It's uncomfortable, but it's undeniable to talk about that we're going to die. And it's both comforting and inspiring and hopeful to talk about everlasting life. But between those two, there is judgment. Hebrews 9.27, a New Testament verse says it this way. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. There it is. Boom. The truth. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I hear people say, Christian, that sounds so harsh. How could you say that? I answer them and say, how could you not say that? Do you not believe it's true? Do you not believe that people are going to die once? And that if there is an everlasting life, that, that, there's, that there's got to be some filter for that. Like, do you not believe that? How could you not say that? I realize the most uncomfortable and changing, undeniable truth about life is death. I realize that the most hopeful, inspiring, comforting truth about death is everlasting life, but between them is judgment. So you say, Christian, I don't want to be judged. Me neither. Christian, I don't want to be judged. Better answer. You don't have to be. Say, what? See, there's a problem called judgment, but there's an answer and his name is Jesus. Say, Christian, I don't want to be judged. Jesus says, you don't have to be. Say, where does the Bible say that? It's not the Bible, it's Jesus himself. This is the the point in the message where you get your phone out and you get ready to take a picture of the verse that's going to come on the screen because this is the answer to the problem. Jesus actually says, if you do this, you don't have to face judgment because all of you are sitting here thinking, I don't want to face judgment. Jesus says, great, you don't have to. So where's the Bible say that? John five twenty four, Jesus' words about judgment. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not what? Can't hear you. Will not what? Judged. Christian, I don't want to be judged. Jesus says you don't have to be. I don't want to be judged. You don't have to be. Help me understand it again. Whoever hears my word and believes God who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. They've crossed over from death to life. It's like a monopoly, but better, right? Like you get to go and it's like, well, you owe $200. It's like, I don't have $200. Every day of our life, we are accruing spiritual debt that we cannot pay to get into heaven. And Jesus says, I'll scratch that from your wreck. If you will put your faith in me and believe my words and follow me, you don't have to be judged. If you will judge yourself, as guilty and asks for my forgiveness, I won't have to do any judging. Judgment says you're going to die and be judged. I don't want to be judged. Jesus says, okay, you don't have to. Here's the answer, but here's the choice. It's, yours. it's not your mom and dad's. It's not your churches. It's not your, it's not your kids. It's not your spouse. It's not grandma, or grandpa. It's not a denomination. It's not a class. It's not an act. It's a choice. And Paul says it this way. Paul said, "I want to prepare you for everlasting." So he gives us all this information, but then he ends here, verse ten. We we are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we can receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or whether bad. Are you ready for everlasting? Do you believe in a life after this one? Do you believe that your soul is eternal? And are you ready for everlasting? there's a struggle but there's confidence but it boils down to a choice so what choice have you made if you're sitting here today and you say you know I don't know that I'm ready for everlasting you can be maybe you're here and you're you would call yourself a Christian some point in life you you invited Jesus to, to be in your life you begin to follow him but maybe you've strayed a little bit and you think man I'm a Christian and I said a prayer and you know if a prayer gets me to heaven may, maybe but right now I just don't feel close to God I I think I need to open my heart again to follow Jesus. If you're unsure, you need to do that. If you're not sure about everlasting, you need to do that. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. This church thing is all new to you. But just like Solomon and C.S. Lewis said, you've always known deep down there's more. And if there's a judgment and you don't want to be judged because Jesus is the answer, you're saying, I want him. I want his forgiveness. I want his leadership. I'll follow him if that's the way it works. The most uncomfortable, unchanging, and undeniable truth about life is death. The most hopeful, inspiring, and comforting thing about death is everlasting life. And in between those two is judgment, but you get to choose whether or not you go through it. So what's your choice? Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning?